0: It seems to me that the more that we try to do on behalf of the kingdom of God, the more that we get attacked by the kingdom of darkness, and every time I turn around, I feel like I'm fighting with somebody, and so today, I am absolutely doing my best to just, let's just all peace out. I mean, let's just all take a deep breath and relax, please, okay, and then let me just rant for a second, and then I'm going to put it away, okay, then I'm going to do that. In the book of Romans in chapter 10, beginning at verse 11, this is what the scripture says. Reading down through verse 15. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him, in Christ, will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, now pay attention to this next little bit, please. Okay, look at what it says right here. It says, How then can they call on one they have not believed in? How can they believe in one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can they preach unless someone is sent as is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. A lot of the things that we do in this church, we do because of that right there. That's why we do it, okay? Listen, we had an incredible VBS this year. And we are doing VBS, this is what I call it, by the numbers, okay? It's not all about numbers, but we're doing that. And I promise you, when we got up this morning, or yesterday morning, and my wife and I said, hey, let's go over to Wolf Cross. Creek Dam, and let's just check it out, let's just have a nice drive, put the top down, it was great, and then we had lunch, and then we came home, and then we said, this is, we got the pool party tonight, it's going to be good, we're so excited, the vineyard's going to be at the pool, and then at like 5.59 or 6.01, we get a message. We get a message from Richmond Parks and Rec., That's who we get the message from, not from somebody, okay? And I read the message. I read it, okay? And it said, somebody had an accident. Somebody, here it comes, got sick in the pool. Now, you decide for yourself which end sick means. (laughs) That's on you. you. You decide. But it was in the big one with the bucket that dumps the water out. The one that all of your children want to play in. That's where somebody got sick. And they said, you can't use that pool. But don't worry, you can still use the 12-foot deep one, and you can still use the one at the bottom of the slide. And it seemed a little crazy to me to take four- and five-year-olds and throw them into 12 feet of water. Okay, I'm sure some of yours can swim but it seemed a little odd. And they said, or you can cancel or postpone your event. We canceled the event. We have been accused as a congregation of canceling the the event just (laughs) willy-nilly. Listen to me. Last week, a man in North Carolina died from a flesh-eating bacteria from a swimming pool. Before that, it was a woman down in Virginia Beach I take your children's health and well being seriously. When they said there was an accident, I saw amoeba everywhere. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but if you're closing a pool, I'm not sending the vineyard children. And so I want you to know the decision that was made was made after thinking it through, and it only took a couple of sen- seconds to think clear through it because I had read that article. And then we said, let's cancel the event because that's the pool that we wanted. It was the right, correct, and mature thing to do. Oh my word, you are getting chewed up and spit out. Just so you know. But I want to share some other things with you now that my rant's over. Okay, let's just take a deep breath. Let it out slowly. And let's talk for a split second about why we do what we do. You know there are 88,000 people in Madison County? I believe that's the census number for Madison County. It might be a little bit less than that, but I rounded it to 88,000. There's 88,000 people that live in Madison County. 11% of them, somebody put on the Richmond Area Ministerial Alliance page, at any given set, um, Sunday, besides um, summer vacations when everybody's running around willy-nilly, okay? Um, at any given moment, 11% of um, Madison County is in church. 11%, Okay? So that's what we're looking at. What's 11%? It's 9,680 people, if the 88,000 is correct. So 9,680 people are in church on Sunday morning. That leaves 7,320 people um, that Jesus died for and loves desperately, and he is trying to reach them. 78,000 sheep that are running around. Some of them are running from God. Some of them don't care about God. And some of them are wondering, where's God? 78,000 people just in Madison County. That's a lot of people. Am I right? Uh, Tell me I'm right. 78,000 people is a lot of people. Seriously. All right. Of the 20 largest collegiate athletic stadiums in the world, 19 of them are in America. Where is he going with this? All right. Michigan Stadium at Ann Arbor happens to be the biggest of all college football stadiums. And just for the record, it holds 107,601. That means, and I checked out the other numbers as well, all of Madison County can fit in the top 14 out of 20 and have lots of room for you to invite your out-of-state family to come. Believe it or not, the top 14 collegiate stadiums in the United States will hold everybody that says they live in Madison County. All 20 of the top 20 can hold everybody that's not in church at any given time. That is absolutely astonishing. Nope. What's absolutely astonishing is this other number. One. 88,000 is not astonishing to me one one is astonishing one young man got baptized this morning One more, yeah, yeah. One more young man is getting baptized in the next service. One more young lady is getting baptized in a couple of weeks when they can get the family thing all worked out. Somebody else in here needs to surrender their life to Jesus and get baptized. It's why we do what we do. One more child needed to attend a vacation Bible school that was in somebody's backyard, not a Nickelodeon program at the vineyard. I am not against doing VBS in the church. VBS started outside the church in people's backyards as a means of reaching people that are not coming to church during the summer when kids have all of that time and parents don't know what to do with them. In 1969-ish, 1968, 69, I lived in Madrid, Spain. Actually, I lived 20 miles from Torrejón Air Force Base in Madrid, um, Spain, and and it was a 20-mile trip to school every single day. And I can remember the summer, and and I was only eight or nine years old when a girl that lived behind me, and her name was Sherry, Cherry, excuse me, Cherry, and I don't know her last name. She was 16. She had another friend who was 16. They were just high school students from the a church there in our community that held a vacation Bible school and I was out in my backyard and her yard backed up to my neighbors and so it was kind of catacorny and she came over and she said hey do you want to come to vacation Bible school and I was raised Catholic and didn't have a clue what was vacation Bible school but she was the prettiest thing I had ever seen in my life <laughs> and I was half her age and I said well, yes I want to come to vacation Bible school yes I do And in the midst of it all, I learned about Jesus. And in the midst of it all, they made me memorize Bible verses. In the midst of it all, they gave me a little Bible. And in the midst of it all, we had fun, we sang songs, and we did papers, and we colored, and we did wonderful things. That's why we did Vacation Bible School out in the community. That is the importance of taking Jesus to the community. Did you hear what Paul said to the church in Rome? How shall they hear unless somebody goes? How shall they hear unless somebody goes? The predominant word in the scripture to Christian people is go. And as you go, teach them. And as you go, make disciples. Go on my behalf over and over and over and over again. This is why we do it. So it doesn't matter to me if there were two people at our site. It doesn't matter if there was 22 people at our site. And it doesn't matter if there was 202 people at our site. I was looking for one. And if you are somebody that hosted or participated in Vacation Bible School this year, I want to say, yay, you. Okay? Yes. Yay, you. Okay? 200 kids, 200 kids got ministered to in their community. At one community, at one community, no children came. None. And so the people that went out to do the Vacation Bible School, I believe it was Smith Village, went and knocked on the doors and gave away the food because we had so much food to give away. And as a result of that, 18 kids came out and followed them back to Vacation Bible School and had Vacation Bible School for the next couple of nights. This is what it means to evangelize a community. It's what we're doing here in Richmond, Kentucky, in Madison County. 88,000 people, 78,000 are not in church right now. This is why we do it. Because there are Joe Woods out there that need somebody to care enough to get out of their comfort zone and to stop worrying about it being convenient or whether my kids are getting Sunday school during the week, during the summer. Listen to me, our kids, if we say we we need to do it inside the building, our kids should be getting that on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. That's that's what we should be doing. We should be giving our kids the best of the best. You should be plugged into the children's ministry in one service and then coming to this service. or, Or vice versa, okay? But we should be giving our kids our best. And we should be saying, this is Jesus. And when we take our kids to Smith Village, when we take our kids to the park, when we take our kids to your neighborhood, then they see you doing it. And then they buy into it. And they believe that if you're actually doing something, maybe there's truth to this. And it lends integrity as well as credibility. And I want to encourage you that because... I am not interested in being the biggest church in Madison County, but I am interested in impacting the life of one more. One more person I'm going to stand and I'm going to pour into and they're going to stand on this stage and preach. One more person we're going to pour into and they're going to lead music or he's going to lead music. They're all going to play and they're going to lead us to the throne of grace. One more person is going to stop saying, well, I didn't get anything out of that worship. We didn't worship you. (laughs) We worshiped God. (laughs) He got a lot out of it. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. Come on. What did we show up for? To be impacted by God who's in heaven. Not by people. People will let you down. I will let you down. Stop putting faith in me. Put faith in God. Trust God. Follow God. But goodness sakes, ladies and gentlemen, we are a family. And when we fall down, we don't kick each other. We grab each other by the hand and we say, get back up. How can we help you? Because we want everybody to win. And that's why we do Vacation Bible School the way we do it. This, brothers and sisters, is what took Jesus into the neighborhoods. There are 545 people that go to church here on a regular basis when it's not vacation season. 545. If we grew as a church by 10%, we'd have 55 newer people. I rounded up. So there'd be 600 next year. And if we just kept this 10%, it would go from 600 to 660 to 726 to 796 to 876 to 964 to 1,060 to 1,283 to 1,411 and then 1,522 at the end of the next 10 years. And all God's waiting for is one more thing. And that's for you and I to say, here am I, here am I because the number one question that God's asking comes out of Isaiah chapter six. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And God's waiting on an answer from you and me. And I said, Lord, send my sheep. We'll go into the community, take vacation Bible school. Because if we don't, children, adults, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, they're going to hell. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, That's an inconvenient thing for me, and I'm not good with it. I'm not good with it. So it leads me to pour into the Michaels that came up here and blessed the living daylights out of us. The Drews, the Pastor Janice's, the the, the Jesse, who is our worship leader, to come up here and share the word of God in their lives. It leads me to ask you, what are you waiting for? The kingdom of God is upon you. But we recognize that everybody has not been called to do it. But listen to me. I'm going to go down through this because I want you to have it and I still want you to have a wonderful day. I listened to Michael's sermon. He preached two weeks ago and it was absolutely amazing. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, I'd heard it four times already. So that was the fifth time I heard it. I make him preach it and preach it and tweak it and preach it and preach it until I finally put the staff right here and they videotape the whole thing. He takes it home and then, and it's just like, this is a message from God. You need to hear it, not just us, in the midst of it all. And I love that. And that young man and his wife are going to plant a church one day. And I'm just telling you right now, he is going to be successful. He's got some other things to grow and to learn in, but he is going to be successful. And that's what God called us to do is to plant churches. That's what missions work is all about. Paul went out three times in missions. The first time they planted churches. The second time they visited and planted churches. And the third time he said, let's go and visit those churches that we planted. Because that's what's going on that's what's up folks and so that's what it's all about Paul was proud that he was a tent maker he was proud that he could earn his own way but people still contributed to the ministry if you will and it's absolutely amazing and again let's be honest more people did not go with Paul than went with Paul but they understood from home that it's their mission More people did not go to vacation Bible school and help, but they poured into it. The things that you do, the things that you give to, the things that you are willing to be a part of here, here, the children's ministry or greeters at the front door, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And God finds joy in your life when we're following him, when we're chasing after him. God is calling you and I to tell people about Jesus, to invite them to surrender their lives, to plug into the local church, and to get involved locally as well as globally. And Michael reminded us that it's all about relationships, so let's talk about that. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one that falls down and has no one to help them up. Now, when I read that, when I read, excuse me, when I heard him saying that, my. I, I, I underlined it on my notes because it, pity the person that falls down and doesn't have anybody. Pity the person whose spouse walks out on them and they don't have anybody. Pity the person whose child dies. Pity the person that loses their job when they thought they were doing great. Pity the person that doesn't have somebody to surround them and say, God loves you and we love you and we're going to walk with you. Pity the person that goes through a world with seven and a half billion people on it and yet is lonely. Who's your friend? I like that Michael said that. Who's your friend? A person is not a real friend unless they can come to you and challenge you in thought or deed. You understand that? I believe that wholeheartedly in my own life and I believe that in your life. I really do. A person is not a real friend if they cannot come up to you and say the tough things that need to be said from the scripture. I'm not saying they got to have a theology degree. I mean, they just got to be able to walk in, sit down and say, suck it up, buttercup. That is not the truth. This is Jesus. And this is the truth. They've got to be able to do that. And we've got to be willing to let them because the help that you and I need is not always shouldering a burden. Sometimes it's being challenged to come away from the edge of sin. But we live in a world that doesn't like that. Sometimes being a friend feels more like taking a load off and sometimes it feels like somebody's being a little judgy to you, doesn't it? Somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're drinking a little too much, don't you think? Hey, you're smoking a little too much, don't you think? Hey, you're being a little too gossipy. Hey, you're spending too much time with that other man or that other woman. Hey, should you be watching that? Hey," Why are you missing church? Why are you drifting away from small group? And then when that happens, when somebody comes to Joe Wood and they begin to say these things, wow, we jumped to the heathen's favorite verse in the whole Bible. Matthew chapter 7. Oh, they're waiting on you to pull it out. They want you to come and challenge their lifestyle, their choices, because they've got it right here. They've got Matthew 7 right here. It's coming out. You narrow-minded, self-righteous Christian, your own God said, your own God said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, it will be judged. You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in somebody else's eye and pay no attention to yours? Pow! (laughs) I'm full of it today bear with me I'm a little wound up they pull that out and they want to go at it well they've got a point Jesus did say that didn't he yeah he did but what they're trying to tell you is I can do anything and you have to leave me alone because your God said so really is that what my God said because my God didn't say don't judge he said, don't condemn people to hell. It's really important to know what that verse actually says. And sometimes when it's written in a language that you can't read, it's more important to just not take it off the internet. Or form your friend over there who's living a wild lifestyle. Say, just tell the Christians this. Judge not that you be not judged. Just say that to them and they'll have to go back into their little holes. No, I will not. I wonder Why? What measure do you use to tell Christian people that they need God? Do you use a rock and a club? Then yes, you need to be challenged. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing as he challenges the religious people that are around him, condemning people to hell because they're not acting like good religious Jewish people. But he's not talking about people that are full of compassion. That are saying, listen, there's a bus coming called Eternity and it is going to run you over and I'm concerned about that. And at the rate that you're going right now, you don't get to get on the bus. You're going to get run over by the bus. And I care about you, and I don't want you to get run over by the bus. Please don't live this lifestyle. Please don't live in this decision-making process. Please don't live following your own heart. Don't live saying, I just got to be me. You just got to do you. No, that's not what Jesus died for. He died so we could do Jesus to everybody around us. Not just the ones that we liked. You see, because Jesus also said in John chapter 7 stop judging by mere uh, appearances, but instead judge correctly. So the next time you challenge somebody and they say, but you're, you just get your verse out faster. (laughs) That's right, brother, because Jesus said stop judging wrongly and start judging correctly. So he wants me to judge a situation, not a person, to hell. The steps that you're taking right now lead to hell. You're, you can't judge me. No, no, no. I'm judging the path that you're on that is leading you away from the cross that Jesus was on. See? Because that's what it says. Oh, by the way, Je- Jesus' own brother, James book of James, James. That's not James and John, James. That's Jesus's brother, James, who finally came to believe that Jesus was the Christ and led the church. Go to Acts 15. We're not going to get into that today, but this is what he said. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save them from death and cover them from a multitude of sin. I'm just telling you right now, when I say that's a sin, please come away from it. The reason is because that leads to death and I don't want to see you lost. That's why. I got no rock to throw at you. I care. Because if Christ lives inside of you, then you should care. And if you don't care, you should ask yourself, does Christ live inside of me? What's going on in my life if I'm not disturbed by this? James' brother said, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander away, someone should bring them back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Both of those passages require you to judge the circumstance. You can't get away from that. So when somebody says, you're being judgy, sit them down and say, yes, yes, I am. I'm not condemning you, I'm just telling you. That based upon the judgment, even Paul said to the church in Corinth, don't you know that you're going to be making judgments within the church? And if you can't make judgments within the church, how are you going to be able to make judgments outside the church? Oh, my word, people. He said, you people need to get your act together. You need to start dealing with sin, he said. Both of those require a judgment about a life or a lifestyle of a friend. But when a friend comes and tells us that, what do we got? Oh, we cover our little us and we got church hurt. Oh, man, they told me I they're, they're just mean. They told me what I was doing was a sin. <laughs> Why did they tell you it was a sin? Because they love you. I hope to goodness it's because, listen, we all know somebody that did it because they don't love you. Don't You didn't come here to meet me. You came here to meet Jesus. You don't walk out because I failed you. You stay because Jesus didn't and we keep moving forward. But there has to be a place where we're willing to deal with this. How does iron, intact iron? Look at this. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's what we're called to be in community. Iron sharpening iron. But check this out. How does iron interact with iron? How does it happen? It happens with grinding. It happens with (laughs) grinding. We're put under pressure, the crucible for silver and furnace for the gold. But people are tested by their praise. Your praise is a test. That's what it said. You ever seen somebody take a grinding wheel to steel and all of a sudden you're cutting down through it, sparks are flying everywhere, and you think, wow, if, if I was that angle iron, that's gonna hurt. And yet, That blade is sharpening the angle iron because as iron sharpens iron. It's a diamond-bit, steel-cutting blade that's throwing sparks. Did you ever think about Proverbs being iron sharpens iron, being a means of understanding that sometimes Christian people got to come and bump heads with you and say, dude, I love you, but this is not conducive with Jesus' teachings on loving our neighbor. This is not conducive with Jesus' teachings on sexual purity. This is not conducive. And we say, well, who are you to, right, right, judge me because judge not to... Make a right judgment, Jesus said. you got to get there fast. you got to practice. Practice. There's nothing wrong with practice. And you just tell Jesus, I'll be you huckleberry. Let's, let's have a throw down. <laughs> Some of you got that. The ones that didn't, it's okay. Just keep doing what you're doing. But sometimes when we're in relationship to each other and iron begins to sharpen iron and sparks start to fly, because we're calling somebody out we're not condemning them we're saying hey what's going on in your life friend called me the other day and he said this is what's going on in the, with the pastor that i work for and the first thing i said was in 10 years <laughs> your employee is going to call me and say the same thing about you because when this thing starts happening in a pastor's life it generally means that he's going through a lot of pain and struggle and and things are getting out of control. Here it comes, and he's scared, and he doesn't know what to do, so he starts trying to control everything because he's fearful. And so I said, go back and have compassion on him because as iron sharpens iron, sparks start flying, and you start arguing and pushing back and forth, but you don't walk out challenging somebody in their lifestyle, their activities, their language. It's okay to do that. And it's okay for us to not feel like we've been judged to hell. It's okay to say somebody has challenged my choices and and to know, and we'll get to it, that it's for the good. So iron sharpens iron by grinding and sparks fly. Oh, here's another one. Iron sharpens iron by pounding. Oh, by pounding. Wham! And I was going to bring a little anvil in here and a big three-pound sledge. You know, It's going to go ding, ding. And all I could see was you guys going like this and not hearing any of the message because i was going to say some very smart things but you were going to have your fingers in your ears because i kept hitting that anvil and i knew i would keep hitting that anvil but you take a piece of stock bar and you heat it up and you put it on that anvil and you go wham and once again sparks fly but every time the sparks fly it changes the shape of the metal but it doesn't feel good to the metal i know Metal's not alive. I know, I know. But you get the metaphor, right? Just work with me on this one. And so, bam, wham! And it doesn't feel good. But maybe if we trust the guy holding the hammer, that he knows what he's doing, we could stop and understand that the pain of that thing landing in my life or my situation or my moment is actually for my good because he's shaping me. Heat, pressure, violence, strike the hot spot. Sounds like an argument that gets out of hand and it heats up and then somebody says something they shouldn't, boom! Down it comes like a hammer. And you look at the relationship and it's like, what's going on? Because sometimes iron sharpening iron feels a little tough. Now listen, if you're sitting here going, yeah, I tried to, I'm talking about you. See, when when we're preaching a message, Joe is preaching to Joe. Joe is hearing a word from God for Joe and he's sharing it with you so you can hear a word of God for you. Not so you can go, yeah, that guy right over there, he needs to hear this message because I said, no, 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 no. This is for you. Pounding. Iron sharpens iron. When it gets melted down, when it gets melted down, gold is for the furnace, gold is for royalty. Persecution often weeds out the impurities and the counterfeits, fire for the melting away of pride. Put the metal in a pot, superheat that baby, all the dross comes to the top, take a bar, slide it across the top, the metal becomes more pure. Do it to silver, you get more pure silver. Do it to gold, you get more pure gold. But sometimes the point of what God's allowing, maybe not wanting, but allowing in our lives feels like we are in the fire. And why is God letting this happen? And he says, because I'm trying to get some things out of your life that are only going ha- to come to, to light when I put so much fire in you that the dirt floats to the top, and then I'm going to slip it off, and you're going to be like, wow, this feels good to be clean before God. That's what happened in David, King David's life in his relationship with a woman named Bathsheba. He sinned all over the world in Israel. And finally, finally, we get down the road, and and God says to a man named Nathan, a preacher, a prophet, he says, Nathan, thanks for having quiet time with me, Nate, but I need you to get up and go to the king. I need you to go talk to King David, knock on his door. When he opens the door, I want you to tell him a story about a man that had a lot of sheep and a man that had one sheep. And the point of the story is that the man that had a lot of sheep, the rich man, stole the sheep from the man that only had one sheep. And before you go, that's what I'm talking about. Let's talk about that right now. The rich are getting richer. And the poor. I'm not trying to make a social political statement, so quit. <laughs> I'm making a spiritual statement. You can decide what your relationship to society is going to be. I'm talking to Joe Wood. God's talking to you. And so David says, that's what we're going to do. You know what? Nathan, you're right. I'm not going to have that in my kingdom. We're going to kill that man that took that man's one sheep. And then David just blatantly looked him in the eye and said, you're the man. His friend, his advisor, looked him right in the eye. Second Samuel chapter 12, then Nathan said to David, you're the man. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul, who was trying to kill him three different times. I gave Saul's house to you. I gave you Saul's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah, both sides of the kingdom. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you so much more. Even more means so much more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. Then you took his wife to be your own. And you killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Because you and I, we would say, well, I didn't do it, Lord. It was the Ammonites did it. Because we always want to find a loophole where our sin is concerned. Oh, Lord, we got a loophole. I just want you to know that the Lord does not work that way. When you say there's a loophole, he says, so what? What? You know how your parents used to say to you, you you would say, well, that's not what you said. And they said, fine, I'll say it exactly. God doesn't have to do that. When we say, well, Lord, that's not exactly what you said. And then God has to say, but you knew exactly what I meant. Then God wins every single time. And that's what was going on here. And I love that David's David's, um, response was not a response of defending himself. He didn't try to defend himself. David's response was, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied on behalf of the kingdom of heaven, the Lord has taken away your sin. When we recognize that we've sinned against the Lord, the Lord immediately says, Then I can take away that sin, and you're not going to die. You're not going to die. The only reason I showed up at your door and banged on it was because I love you. The only reason I came down here and told you that there's a real hell is because I love you. I don't want you lost. I don't want you run over by the bus and telling you that there's a bus coming is not sin. It's not judgy. It's a calling. So let me ask you this, who can speak into your life? Who can speak into your life and tell you hard things without you defending yourself? It's got to be somebody you can trust. It has to be. Who is in your life that you trust? If you don't have anybody in your life that can sit down with you and say, Joe, they won't call you Joe, Joe this, you don't have any real friends. If all of your friends are just trying to be your best friend, you don't have any friends. You have people that want to use you as a best friend. You know that these people don't want something from you. You know they have your best in mind, and you have history with them, somebody you've spent time with. Number two, it's got to be somebody that you know loves you. Who loves you? That's willing to have hard conversations with you because I'm telling you I don't know very many people that wake up to say today I'm just looking for somebody to have a hard conversation with because I just want to create so much anxiety in my life that I need to go see the doctor again I do not know anybody that does that so come on if somebody loves you enough now you have a friend Somebody that walks with you through the good and the bad. Somebody that celebrates you when you win and comforts you when things go crash. Somebody that doesn't leave. We live in a world where people leave if things get hard, inconvenient, or uncomfortable. And then finally, you'll need to listen to understand, not to answer. If you're gonna have a friend that does this, you're gonna have to have somebody you trust, somebody that you know loves you, and you're gonna have to listen You're going to have to listen to understand, not to defend yourself. We listen to defend ourselves. My brain runs so fast and so hard that I'm finishing sentences for people, not because I'm a genius or good or more holy. I'm just, I'm, I'm sick this way. So much so that the elders of the first church I ever served said, listen, when somebody's talking to you, we need you to count to 10 before you open your mouth. And I said, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. What are you talking about? They said, we want people to think you're listening. I said, I am listening. They said, yeah, but you're answering that fast because you know where they're going. You, you don't listen to words. You listen to concepts and hearts and aching and broken pieces, and you're already trying to. People want you to listen, Pastor. So listen. Don't listen to, 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 to fix. Listen to understand. So when somebody comes to you and knocks on the door and you sit down and they're with you, it's important that when they're trying to create longevity in your life of some sort, listen to them. Especially if it's somebody that's been further down the road that you're going. Stop defending sin. Start defending truth. That's the call. Process what somebody says. It's okay not to be right all the time and to know that about yourself. That's not a goal. It's just a human understanding. As one of my children told me when they were growing up, Papa, you don't know everything. They're not in the will at this point. I love them desperately. But they get to an age where they can think for themselves. Just because I said it doesn't mean it's wrong. And just because it's 100 years old doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's right. Just because you like the person that said it on a podcast does not make it correct theology. But we've got to start listening to each other. So I want to encourage you. That in the midst of everything that i've shared with you today that's the kind of church that this is going to be a church where you can come and find help a church where you can come and not be perfect a church where i hope you will look to get into a small group and find people that will surround you and let you know that jesus loves you but i gotta tell you something a group where you can in turn have the courage to say i love you but i gotta tell you Because everything you're being taught isn't always right. And I want to encourage you to have a friend, as Michael said, that is closer than a brother that loves you enough to do something about it. Fathers, we come before you right now we thank you for today. We thank you for all of this message and you can smite me, Lord, if if that needs to take place. I'm just trying to do the best I can chasing after you. Today I ask and pray that you begin to move in our lives. Somebody doesn't know you here, Lord. They maybe have gone to church all their lives but they don't know you. Because you don't want them to go to church. You want them to walk with you. Somebody here is going through a difficult time, Lord. It's crippling them. It's physical just ask and pray that you touch their lives. Somebody in here is lonely, God, and it hurts, but you want to bandage it in the process of building a relationship with them. Build it. We just say, come Holy Spirit, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name.